Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. Praise the Lord. I just praise him so much every single day. Another day, another chance, another opportunity, which always begins in the room of prayer. That secret place that I like to go to every morning. And then, of course, I go on through the day and all the day through my heart. And I think many of you live like that, too. Because when we're alive in Christ, there's no just set time where you sit down and uh, pray and then you go on. <laughs> Amen. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Moreover, I praise the Lord that Jesus Christ is with us. He is here. We're two or three are gathered together in his name. And I come in his name. Then that means he is here. He is with us. He is our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we can have confidence in Jesus Christ. And not because we've churned ourselves up and built ourselves up to some. I believe, I believe, Froth. But from here, you grow in the knowing as you get older and through your experiences in life. So I'm going to pray first. As you can tell, I have a little bit of a cold. So if I sound different, that's why. But amen. One day we're going to get rid of these bodies, right? And we're going to put on uh, the immortal, right? And we're going to we're going to reign, rule with the Lord forever. So, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for yet another day, Lord, another day to reflect your glory as a little blade of grass, Lord, that I can be just a little insignificant nobody in this world, and it makes it wonderful. So, Lord, that all the things that I would do is in your word. And it says that so we are to do and to speak as those being judged by the law of liberty. And I just thank you for the liberty that we have in you, Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you so much that you are here with us today. And I'm going to be speaking, Lord, about the high places and the low places. I depend on you completely to lead and guide me and that you will have the preeminence in every word that is spoken and in the presence of your people. For I honor you, Lord, and commit all to you now in your glorious name. Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, this morning um, I was reading in Matthew 15 and Matthew 15 um, is a beautiful verse, a beautiful chapter. It's lengthy, um, but I was reading about after Jesus had healed the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman uh, whose daughter was demon possessed. And so we know that story. Um, it's a powerful story. It's very short. And after she's healed, he, the story changes and it says, starting at verse 29, it says, and Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame and blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. 
insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. And I'm going to stop right there. You know, lately I've been so, um, I don't want to use the word enamored, but just my heart feels like it's been enlarging like the shores of the sea, where I'm starting to see brighter and brighter and clearer and clearer into the perfect day. And in seeing, I've been looking at places in the word where it talks about Mount Zion on the sides of the north and and even the, and that's the heavenly Jerusalem and then the earthly Jerusalem, which is on on the hill Zion, Mount Zion and, and all these different places of people going up into the mountain and, you know, Jehovah Shema means God of the mountain. And I have been learning so much about that. And, you know, whenever we see Jesus go up into a mountain in the Gospels, when he comes back down, something powerful happens. And in this portion of scripture, we see the people went up to him, to the mountain where he went. And I would think that he went up into the A mountain or says A mountain, most likely to pray because a lot of things that Jesus did, like after he had like some big thing happen, it said that even when he saw multitudes coming after him, it said he he went into the desert. He saw them coming. He went into the desert and then another place it says, and seeing like uh, more more happening coming to him and surrounding him and seeking him, it said he went up into a mountain. And we know that he always went up into a mountain. So there's different you know times he went up into a mountain. But every time he goes up into a mountain, something happens. Like we spent all night in prayer, he'd come down and he named his disciples. He spent in the mountains the 40 days and 40 nights in that wilderness. Um, that was no flat terrain. He was in those mountains, those ragged, rough mountains. But when he came back down, he was full of power. Um, so I can go on and on. And we even see just let me do a little Old Testament parts. You know, we see Moses always being called to come up to the mount that burned with fire and black of darkness and melting down and everything. And he was always called up there. And what happened? He received the Ten Commandments. And we see other, so many other uh, examples. And you could do your own study. But I can certainly tell you every time a man goes, uh, and now we can say woman, but back then it was men. But that's okay because there is no male or female, though we still be male and female, meaning it's a new race of people through the blood of Jesus Christ. But every time a man went up into those mountains, he came back as a different man. And they were never the same again. And they always were called up into the mountains. So even Jesus last before he was taken up, he did say, um, to uh, Mary Magdalene, but go and tell them after his resurrection and she saw him at the garden, but go and tell them my disciples, the disciples. 
that um, I'll meet them in Galilee. But we know that later on, it said that he went up into the mountain, his disciples met him there. So I do believe they went to Galilee. They probably, it didn't say they found him. I would expect that they did if he said, I'll, I'll, I'm ahead of, I'll, I'll be ahead of them in Galilee. But it said they met him in a mountain and they were given last instructions before he left and went and ascended to heaven. And in studying these mountains, these high places, notice how Satan took Jesus up into a high place and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and their glory of them. And he said, all this is mine to give you for it hath been delivered unto me. Um, if you will bow down and worship me. So I want to talk about a cut. Those there's obviously two high places or Satan's high places, but then there's those glorious high places in the spirit. I mean, even Haggai said, uh, Habakkuk said in, uh, in chapter three, verse 18, um, I believe, uh, but look at verse 20, where he says, I believe it's 20, but he says um, that he prayed that the Lord would give unto him hinds feet, that he would get up upon thine high places, speaking to him. And so we want the Lord to bring us up into his high places. And there's no way that we could really do it on our own. Now, there's parts of us that we could practice and we could do and we can speak and we can apply and we can learn and we can do all these things. But, you know, there's times that it comes to where we have to really reanalyze that these high places are not acceptable human, accessibly, accessibly human, humanly accessible, rather. And so when I read that, I remembered Luke 14, 18 through 11. And Jesus was giving this parable. He said, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee come and say to thee, give this man place. And thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. That when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so we see two examples here. We see people that have, <clears throat> that have gone up into the mountain where Jesus, he sat down. And that's such a picture of me of a king. I mean, though he was in his pre-king mode, that he went up into that mountain. And he always went there and prayed. Like I said, I believe he went there to pray. But the people were following him because he had a multi multitude of people following him constantly. But I want you to notice what they did. See, he sat down. And great multitudes came unto him. And they have with them, like all the people that I said, right? The lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, all the. And it says, and cast them down. Meaning, man, they were putting him at his feet. 
I mean, just imagine that they weren't just bringing them up. To, I mean, it says they cast them down, meaning they were so you, you, you see a desperateness. You see. Yeah, a desperateness. I don't know what other word to use. There was such a powerful des desperateness because when you think about the fact that he went up into a mountain, um, that takes some, you know, climbing to get up there and stamina and strength. You, you, he had to climb up to a mountain. I don't know how high it was. It just says a mountain. Um, and there's little mountains around Jerusalem. Um, but notice who were there. It says, and great multitudes came unto, came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others. Imagine what it took to get those people up there because blind people, you're trying to get them to go up an ascent where they're not knowing where to put their feet. So there's a lot of work to get that blind, those blind people up there. Or the maimed, maybe they had um, a limb removed. Uh, maybe they couldn't even walk and they were somehow being pulled up on mats, being dragged up the up a mountain or carried by other people up a mountain. Can you, up a mountain? So you get the idea. So the maimed, the blind, the lame, they couldn't even walk. You know, imagine all the people helping them get there. So I'm picturing family members friends, relatives, neighbors, and they know there is a man, he heals, and they went up into the mountain, they cast them down at his feet. I can imagine people out of breath, they're weak, they're, they're shaking, maybe they weren't even in great shape, but something in them said, we got to get to him, and they, I mean, it's not like, well, we'll just wait for him to come back down, it's like, no, he went up into that mountain and he sat down and they brought them there and cast them down where he sat down. And it said, and many others. So who knows what other issues were wrong with them? And you know how many people that was? Well, it goes right into the feeding of the 4,000. And that was just 4,000 men, not counting women and children. Now, not all 4,000 people were maimed and lame and blind and deaf and dumb. They were, there was thousands of others watching this happen. All up into this mountain. I, don't, I can't imagine what it looks like, but it says they were there anyway. So, and it says he healed them. And then after that, it says, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I'm not going to send them away fasting unless they faint in the way. And his disciples uh, go on to tell them, well, you know, how are we going to do this? There's no bread in the wilderness and so forth. I don't want to read through the whole chapter, but he multiplies the fish and the loaves. A seven. Said, yeah, seven and a few little fishes. Yeah, seven loaves. But you know what? Doesn't Jesus take the smallest things and the lowliest things and he turns them into high things? He takes somebody that maybe you can't offer him gold, but you can only offer him silver. And he says, I'll take your silver. 
if you can't offer him silver and you've got nothing to give him but your body, your life, he says, I'll take it. I'll take it because you are more valuable unto me than many sparrows. You see, when we're, and then it says here, when you're bidden of any man do a wedding, you know, I'm thinking of the wedding that we're going to, the bride's wedding. And so we don't get there by climbing up some other way and thinking we're going to sit in a room that's higher. There's something about the enemy trying to trick you, thinking that you've got to do, like, how do I put it? This this generation is so ingrained in thinking that if you're truly, truly born again and you're truly, truly serving the Lord, then you got to have some outward high performance. You got to have something that you can outwardly uh, feel, touch, taste, handle, you know, all of that. Though I know that is a prescription for Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking for us now. Yes, they were able to see him, touch him, handle him. But now we taste and see. And now we walk by faith and not by sight. We love him, though we have not seen him. It's the lame that take the prey. Do you understand? So what the enemy tries to do with the people of God is say, uh, and, and he wants to come around and say, call you friend. Friend, uh, take the highest room. You're the honorable man. You're the honorable woman. After all, you know more than everybody. Um, you've done more here than pastor so-and-so. If anybody can just understand and see what value, value you've been to this body, then they would call you up here anyway. You know, that's the enemy. But the Lord is always going to tell you to take the lowest room. Because do you see it's in the low places that are the high places. It says that he sends springs into his valley, which run among the hills and water everything, including all his creation and his animals. You know, it says here, friend, go up higher. You know, Jesus is always calling us up higher, but where does he call us up higher from? From the lowest place, the lowest room. But the enemy wants to say, well, you know, you're just as good as anybody else. They just don't notice those gifts that are in you. You know, you know what I mean? Like the enemy's always sowing that. So he tries to get you and he tries to get me and he tries to get everybody to think that we have no value if we're not producing some kind of visible fruit in a religious system. Because, you know, really when it comes down to it, it's not about creed. It's not about how much I do or you do or any checkoff lists. You know, we all talk about casting our crowns. Oh, I can't wait when I go to heaven. I can cast my crowns down at the feet of Jesus. And I say, you're not going to be ready to cast your crowns down to the Lord if you don't cast yourself down before his beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of, the, of him upon the mountains that publisheth peace. If we cannot cast down ourselves, then what are we going to do? Satan lifted up himself, Lucifer in heaven, and what happened to him? 
he was cast down to earth. You know, there is such a beauty in being in the low places. And like I was saying earlier about the mountains, we learn a mountain stride. I call it the stride of the mountains, where as he's calling us to go up higher, because Jesus is always calling us to go higher as we are in the lower room, but he cannot call you up higher if you keep putting yourself higher. You are actually impeding the work of the Holy Spirit. And there is such a joy being down that low. Jesus never sought for that high room. You know, though he were a son of God, he learned obedience to the things which he suffered. And I believe we don't really learn anything until we're in the low places of suffering. Because what are you going to learn without suffering? And maybe some of you are suffering now, and I don't say it lightly to you. I don't, I don't like to throw away, throw around that word suffering when I know people are legitimately, legitimately suffering, you know, from a, a wide variety of destruction, bad news, terror on the horizon, fears in the way, all these things. But I'll tell you something that I've learned. Whenever I tried to put myself in a place that was too high for me, the Lord did me the greatest mercy by casting me back down. But you know where he cast me down? To the place of his feet. And you know what? That's where I learned to humble myself under the mighty hand of the Lord. I tell him, oh, you don't even need to have a due season with me. I, I'm very happy there under your hand in the lowest room. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. You know, I think about what David says in Psalm 131. He says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in things that are too high for me, that are lofty or in things too high for me. He said, no, I've exercised and quieted myself as a child that is uh like a weaned child. My, he said, my soul is even as a weaned child. So our soul is always being buffeted by the enemy. You know, like I was giving you examples, you know, nobody notices you. And look how much you've done for the Lord. Look, the enemy's always trying to get you to go to his high places, but there's cost. And haven't you seen it? I have. So many people lifting up themselves, wanting to sit in the high rooms in the temple, uh, enlarging the borders of their garments, wearing phylacteries, so to speak, uh, being called rabbi, rabbi. I'm just using that as an example. You know, the Lord says, no, you take the lowest room. You know, Jesus, it says of him, Behold, in Zechariah 9, 9, it says, uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the, a colt, the foal of an ass. And you know, David even says, though the Lord be high, yet he has respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. 
uh, Solomon, his son, said in Proverbs 3.34, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. And again, uh, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And these are just a few places. Because you know why? It says a lowly person really, in a sense, has a better view because they're down below. They get a better view of everything down below. But you know what? They're the ones that receive the given grace of God. They're the ones that wisdom is with. And it is better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You know why? Because they may be full of riches and pride, but when they come down, they come down wonderfully. And that's just really an Old Testament term of like something to wonder at. You know, when I think about going up into those high places with the Lord, I think of that very uh, part of that chapter I showed you in Matthew 15. When Jesus went up into a mountain and spiritually speaking, when you pray to God, what happens? It says Jesus looked up. That's what it said when he got the bread. It says, and he looked up and he thanked God and he broke the bread, which is a symbol of himself, his body. And that's why it was limitless because man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And, you know, when I think of this beautiful story, I could just picture all the details of it. I could just see all those people that were healed, all the multitude in awe. And, but it didn't happen until they went up into that mountain and they, where Jesus sat down. And then the people cast down all their loved ones that were seriously ill and had all those problems. And then he made them sit down on the ground and he fed them limitless bread. You see the low places on the ground is where Jesus will meet you. But in prayer, when you go to him, you know, when you, when you look up, when, look up to him, look up into heaven when you pray like Jesus did. There's a reason he looked up. You know, when you look up, you're looking away from this world. You're not looking at this world. You're looking up in the other world where you're going. Be, be more than just acquainted than uh, a, a quick prayer. You know, when you're praying to God, you are praying and transacting with a real person, with the loving God with the God of love. And you know, it's his love that's manifested in his healing in your life. But there's a place that you have to go to. It's a place that's spiritually within your heart that you say to yourself, Lord, I just cast myself down because that is such a place of healing. J. Iris fell down at his feet and said, Lord, come to, to my house for my little daughter is at the point of death. 
the and he went to her home and when he got there she was already dead and the people said trouble not the master any further for thy daughter is now dead and jesus didn't even hear that he said to him if you believe you will see if you believe you will see your daughter come to life again that may not be the exact words but that's what happened and so god wants to take us out of ourselves. he wants to take you right where you're at you don't have to go to a building you don't have to go to a, a place i mean if you want to go someplace go someplace sometimes you can't find a place but you i'll tell you something i have the lord has met me you know we we're, we're a ready people we're always thinking about him we're always desiring the lord we're always wanting the lord we're always craving that living bread body of jesus christ and those that do he will come to you and he will be and still is and always will be the man of galilee that same man you know that scripture jesus christ the same yesterday today and forever did you ever wonder why it doesn't say jesus christ the same yesterday today and tomorrow because you see today is you never know when you can go home to the lord but there are no tomorrows for the born again because he's talking about eternity so we passed from death into life so what we were yesterday he was there and he's here today and we live in the day in the 12 or 13 for whatever how many hours you're awake but you know what there's no tomorrow in eternity it's the perfect day the endless life the eternity of eternities and that's the highest place the third heaven that one day you will hear friend go up higher friend go up higher so if you are feeling today and you've been feeling for a long time maybe your whole life that you could we would love to go higher there's another higher place that jesus is talking to you about and do you know he's there and you can go to him right now and do you know that he is seated still at the right hand of god upholding all things by the word of his power and that same jesus who went up into the mountain that day and sat down is the same jesus that ascended above the heavens far above all things that he may fill all things all heaven and earth and you know another thing jesus says in matthew 28 18 all power in heaven and earth hath been given unto me and isn't it just like us all of us are so ready to say yes lord it's very easy to say all power in heaven is yours but we stumble when we say uh but all power on earth too and should we be doing that if he does and he does he says it's been given to him all power in heaven and earth hath been given unto me and therefore that means the very thing now jesus when he was on earth he could heal everybody because really what uh he was doing when he came to this earth he was showing satan that he had power over him 
because there was many people that were demon possessed and he was casting out demons left and right. People that were afflicted with illness because of demons or people that had sinned so bad. Remember Jesus healed that man that was impotent for 38 years laying by the water. After he was healed, he said, see that thou sin no more. Go thy way, but don't sin anymore. So we see that evil spirits can uh, attach themselves onto people and afflict them in many ways through illnesses and and destructions of all different kinds. I mean, the gathering demoniac, look at him, but Jesus healed him. And the reason he deal, did that is because when he said in Luke, I love Luke's, uh, Luke's account, of course, Matthew 12 is the same thing, but Luke's account of chapter 11, um, I believe it's verse 10. He said, if I, by the finger of God, do cast out demons, then the finger, uh, by the finger of God, then no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. In other words, he declared war on the enemy. That's why he was healing everybody, raising people from the dead, lifting up people that woman bowed down for 18 years, healing them, lame, the maimed, the blind, the sick. That's why he told John the Baptist who doubted him. He said, you go tell John again. You know, he said, come this way. And in their presence of the disciples, he healed a bunch of people and caused the lame to walk. and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And then he said to his disciples, now you go back to John and you tell him, you tell him what you saw. Because see, Jesus was coming to take over and he did take over. And that king still heals today. Now it's his prerogative. He's sovereign. I don't believe in name it and claim it. And you know what I'm saying? We all know what I'm saying because I don't believe in that. He gets to decide and there's reasons he does. He heals people, partially heals people or doesn't heal people at all. And it's not because he's not merciful. There's his ways are past, <clears throat> sorry, past finding out. But you wanna know what? I would encourage you to ask, to ask him, Lord, give me hinds feet to get up upon thine high places. Cause I'll tell you, you get a different view from up there in your spirit. And, and, and though Satan is, he has his high places. Those are really his low places. Those are traps. Those are snares. Because that's where he overtakes even well-intentioned people. Even Baruch, the scribe of Jeremiah. I mean, he wrote this, he wrote uh, that letter to give to the king. And of course, that king got a pen knife and cut it all up, threw it in the fire. And then later on, uh, it was written again. And afterwards, something must have happened with Baruch who got filled up with pride because there's this strange little verse that says, Seekest thou, good, uh, seekest thou great things for thyself, O Baruch? Seek them not. Because you know what? When we seek for things on this earth to make us great, things don't make you great. Places don't make you great. What you own does not make you great. We are not great, but the greater is he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. See, Satan can only offer some high places of position, power. And you know what happens? Self-worship. 
and you start to take on worship, run from the high places and stay under the mighty hand of God. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. You know, it is restful down here. Jesus was asleep down at the bottom of the boat on a pillow. And because you know why? Well, we know he's a son of God, but they didn't understand. But I tell you this. You cast yourself down at his feet, up at the mountain, in that high place, in that man of Galilee. You just wait till you see what he does for you. And the time is now. Redeem it. Redeem the this time. Just go to him. It doesn't have to be full of fanfare. Just go. They did it. And you're no different than them. And then he'll feed you with the limitless bread, the living bread. Amen. Enjoy the Lord and just love him. Because when you love him, because you're just going to go on loving him more and more. Once you have that love of God in you. And that great graciousness and that healing. You can never really be bound again. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that everybody that is watching this today, that Lord, that they have been seeking for the high places, but only feel like they get thrown back off again. That's not where you're calling them. Lord, you're calling them to the low places where you send your springs down into their valleys that run among their hills. Lord, there's people that they may not, they may be blind, but not literally blind, but maybe they're just blind. They're not seeing what you want them to see or maimed. Something has happened to them, Lord, to bring great harm to their bodies. And maybe, Lord, even spiritually, they have felt weak, Lord. They're spiritually maimed and they're spiritually dumb. Lord, there's, they're, they're, they're deaf, Lord. They can't hear what you're saying. They're coming to you, Lord. All these people are coming to you, Lord, that you would give them sight, eyes to see. And like Naaman, that his skin was leprous. And when he dipped himself seven times, Lord Jesus, his flesh came like that, not of anything of an older man, but that of a young child. Praise the Lord. And Jesus, I ask you now to draw all these people unto you to cast themselves down, Lord, in prayer, Lord God believing prayer, con convicted prayer, that I'm not leaving you till you bless me prayer. But I say, Lord God, I don't believe that they have to beg you for everything. I didn't read that anywhere where people begged you to heal them. But even the Canaanite, you healed them. It says, and you healed them. And Lord, even the Canaanite woman, she's the only one that begged you. And Lord, you said, for thy saying, the devil hath gone out of your daughter. And now, Lord, I just pray now for every person that you bless them in the low places and give unto them hinds feet to get 
up upon thine high places and stay there. Amen. Lord, let the glory of your of you, the Lord, be upon them. Be their vanguard and their rearward. And bless your people, Lord God. And yes, feed them all in the wilderness with the limitless supply of yourself for your name's sake and your glory in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ that great shepherd of the sheep amen <laughs>